everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. Hi again. It's your always effervescent and energetic entertainer back to bring you another episode of Epicness. Yes, I'm trying to make this a thing. I'm an unapologetic nerd. Get into it. So it's the week of March 29th, the official last episode of Women's History Month, and I am not ready for it to be over, but alas, all good things must come to an end. But you guys know I always strive to feature diverse stories from both men and women regularly, so it's not really the end now, is it? But this week, of course, to cap the series, I chose an individual who was hands down one of my favorite figures in history which there are many, I do admit, (laughs) but the absolute badassery by this woman, her huge heart, and the way she lived her life after attaining massive success is something I think about daily. And I just couldn't wait to share this story with you all. The individual we'll be covering this week was a pioneer in several facets of life, completely crushing her naysayers and paving the way for women for generations to come. She had to overcome the stereotypes attributed to both her sex and her race. And instead of being hindered by these obstacles, she just appeared to be even more motivated to blow her opposition out of the water, as well as to help others who were suffering the same injustices. Not to mention, she made her name creating a business model that women today still benefit from greatly. Addressing an issue that would have surely went unresolved for generations, as it had for a generation before, which was enabling women to be independent in the workplace. This individual didn't just create a legacy, she created a dynasty, and in doing so, became legendary in business and charitable circles. She's also been depicted in countless shows and movies because her story is just that inspiring and fascinating. So I'm so happy to lend my voice to the story as a whole. So this week we'll be covering the businesswoman, the beautiful, the barren, Sarah Breedlove, or by her more well-known moniker, Madam C.J. Walker. Sarah Breedlove was born December 23, 1867, in Delta, Louisiana. She was the sixth and last child born to her parents, Owen and Minerva. Sarah's parents were both born enslaved, and Sarah was the first of their children who was born free following the Emancipation Proclamation. Sadly, both of Sarah's parents would pass away before she was seven years old. As an orphan, Sarah ended up moving to Mississippi with her older sister's family. It was also reported that by the age of 10, Sarah had only received three months of education throughout her early childhood. Sarah's living situation with her sister and her family was less than ideal, as Sarah was often abused by her sister's husband. As such, she was keen to find a way out at a young age. 
With women having such little agency in that time period, Sarah's options for leaving her sister's home were slim to none. Sarah would meet and marry her first husband primarily to leave the current abusive household around 1882. A few years later, Sarah would have her first child named Alayla with her husband in 1885. Unfortunately, her husband would pass away just two years after the birth of their child. After losing her husband, Sarah traveled with her daughter to Missouri to live with her brothers, who had established a barber shop in the area. She was able to secure a job doing laundry and would work as hard as she could, with a goal of earning enough to provide her daughter with formal schooling. And by the way, she was earning less than a dollar a day for her labor. Sarah would spend her Sundays at the local church, as she had a talent for singing and enjoyed interacting with the educated members of her community who frequented the church. In 1894, Sarah would meet and marry her second husband, but it quickly became obvious it wasn't going to work and Sarah left. And please try to frame Sarah's marriages from the perspective that a single woman was essentially destitute without the independence and access that was allowed to a married couple. As men held all the proverbial power within society, a woman without a man had very few options at this time. After Sarah's second marriage soured, she spent three years on her own trying to make ends meet. She also spent this time period learning about the details of hair care from her brothers as she worked closely with them in the barbershop. Sarah was also doing research for her own curiosity and benefit as she suffered from hair loss due to a variety of factors. With all her acquired hair care knowledge through her research, Sarah would pick up a job selling hair care products created by an African-American hair care mogul named Annie Malone. Sarah learned much about the hair care industry, its products, and the main customer base while working for Annie. She would travel to conferences and other events to sell Annie's hair care products, but would often have to deal with dismal sales as African-American products were never promoted. Around 1905, Sarah and her daughter would move to Denver, Colorado, where Sarah would continue selling hair care products while simultaneously working on creating her own line of hair care specifically targeting those who suffered with hair loss and brittle hair. Unfortunately, once her employer learned she was trying to make her own products, she was promptly fired, and of course, a lifelong rivalry was born. That next year, in 1906, Sarah would meet and marry Charles Walker, who worked as an advertising salesman, which was quite a lucrative job. Charles was able to guide Sarah's marketing message with his business acumen, and he suggested she take on the name of her brand, Madam C.J. Walker. Sarah would begin selling her products as Madam C.J. Walker for African Americans who were interested in trying to resolve their own hair care issues. She would also offer conferences on hair care showing her customers how to properly use her products and what styles would work best. 
As her products began to gain national recognition, Sarah began selling her products via mail as well as doing door-to-door sales. So she was just nonstop. Two years later, Sarah and Charles would move to Pittsburgh to open their very first salon in beauty school, specifically trading students to style African-American hair using her products. At this point, Sarah had established a robust network of saleswomen who were willing to market and sell her products on her behalf. Sarah remembered how difficult it was for her to find work and wanted to provide another avenue for African-American women who were desperate for ways to earn their own income. A few more years of highly successful business, and Sarah had opened another office in Indianapolis, as well as created a base operation in the heart of New York City's hub of African-American art and culture, Harlem. In New York, Sarah would commission an African-American architect to build her a home that would double as a hub for African-American business owners, titled Villa Loraro. Sarah's office in Indianapolis eventually evolved into her headquarters, where she opened a manufacturing plant. This would expand to another salon, school, and laboratory where she would test and develop her products. One of the hallmarks of Sarah's business model was that she employed women to work in all facets of her operations, including leadership positions, which was basically unheard of at this time. Sarah and Charles' marriage would eventually end in 1912, but Sarah's business continued to flourish unabated. It was reported that at the height of her operations, Sarah's company employed more than 20,000 women. Sarah's saleswomen didn't just operate in the U.S. either. Her products would make it as far as Europe and the Caribbean within her network. Using the knowledge that she'd acquired while working with her last husband, Sarah understood the power of marketing and her products always carried her image. She would also engage in frequent travel to showcase her products and spread the recognition through word of mouth, which is the most powerful form of referral. Sarah didn't just train African-American women in how to market her products. She also offered business acumen courses, teaching the basics of budgeting and product development, encouraging women to make businesses of their own. Now, as someone who is quite driven, I find it so uplifting that Sarah focused on educating and furthering her knowledge to her customer base. Instead of hoarding it for her own personal gain, she clearly wanted all women to win, not just her. Sarah was also heavily involved in charity and philanthropy, with her biggest contributions being one of the largest African-American donors to help establish a local YMCA in Indianapolis. But Sarah didn't stop there. Examples of other forms of Sarah's philanthropy include her contributions to the National Negro Business League, the Madam C.J. Walker Beauty Culturist Union, which specialized in helping women entrepreneurs, as well as Bethune-Cookman University and the Palmer Memorial Institute in North Carolina. 
Sarah would also work closely with many African-American civil rights and political leaders, using her platform to further important African-American cultural issues. Her most notable friends included W.E.B. Du Bois, Booker T. Washington, as well as Mary McLeod Bethune. While World War I was in full swing, Sarah advocated for better treatment for African-American soldiers and was an active member of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People and was also a member of the Committee of Management of the Harlan YWCA. Another really fun fact that I learned was that Sarah's largest financial contribution essentially saved Frederick Douglass's home in Anacostia, which is in D.C. She essentially just bankrolled the preservation of his home, which is just amazing. She'd also pledge one of the largest donations that the NAACP had ever received at the time. Sarah would donate hundreds of thousands of dollars to charities, orphanages, and other individuals in need over her lifetime. And her will specifically stated two-thirds of any profits to be directed towards charity. Sarah would spend the better part of the end of her career engaged completely in furthering the rights of women and African Americans one of the most underserved and marginalized groups in her time period, something she knew all too well. Sarah Breedlove would pass away on May 25, 1919, at the age of 51. She was buried near her Harlem home in the Bronx in New York City. When Sarah passed away, she was valued at over a million dollars making her the wealthiest African-American in America, as well as the wealthiest self-made woman entrepreneur. And the home that she built in Harlem that she commissioned from the African-American architect at the time was valued at a quarter of a million dollars. This woman is literally my role model for so many reasons. I personally love her story because it is a literal rags-to-riches story about a woman who took what they had and turned it into something extraordinary. The way Sarah worked to establish herself, with so many variables going against her, African Americans at the time were fighting for the most basic of human rights, and Sarah was able to uplift and change the lives of so many of her peers. She was able to overcome her circumstances. Then instead of carrying on, she turned around and proceeded to dedicate her funds to helping others who had been just like her. Although she was so far removed from their plight as her wealth continued to grow, the sheer amount of money and time this woman contributed to philanthropy is astounding in itself. And she made her name without being greedy without using shoddy business practices, or without a man at the helm. Her doing so much to help women entrepreneurs, as well as hiring them for leadership positions, is one of her crowning achievements, in my opinion. In Sarah's obituary, she's quoted as saying that she was not yet a millionaire, but hoped to be sometime. Not that she wanted the money for herself, but for the good she could do with it. 
Since her passing, she's been honored by so many organizations and immortalized through her work. I mean, people are still creating media to tell her wonderful story like we're doing literally right now. And as someone who has had a complicated relationship with women figures because of my childhood trauma, it was also so amazing to see all the good she did for her daughter. As at her passing, her daughter received a third of her fortune and was appointed as the president of her company. She'd also appointed her daughter in several leadership positions at her company throughout the years. And if you remember, the reason she worked so hard with her menial jobs in the beginning was the sole goal of wanting to put her daughter into school, something that she had never experienced, a privilege that was not afforded to her. Sarah, or Madam C.J. Walker, was all around a phenomenal person and businesswoman, and I am so honored to tell her story to mark the end of Women's History Month. And of course, she had many amazing quotes, but I really loved this one and had to share to cap this episode and series off. My object in life is not simply to make money for myself or to spend it on myself in dressing or running around in an automobile, but I love to use what I make to try to help others. So you can check us out at madeofmetalpodcast.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And that's Made of Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. I also have a nice little surprise that will be released by the time this episode is released for my followers. My followers, anybody that has basically subscribed to my newsletter, I am sending out something exclusively to people who subscribe to me. So if you haven't already and you would like to hear, please do. You can do that on my website. You can also sort of just click the button at the bottom of the podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. And as always, (laughs) I know you guys are tired of hearing this, but thank you so very much for listening. I love each and every one of you. I am so grateful for you guys every single day. And please do not forget to bloom where you are planted. Mm -hmm.